welcome again to another episode of Budgeting Period. My name is Kelly, and we are going to be talking with a lovely guest today about another angle to becoming debt-free. So I always talk about my debt-free story and paying off my student loans, um, but there's a lot of ways that we can become debt-free, a lot of different things that we can, um, or ways that we can think about it. And so I want to introduce Laura, and we are going to dive into the topic of kind of minimalism and tiny homes, and we'll see how much time that we have um, for today. But um, Laura, hello. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Kelly, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to connect with you. I'm looking forward to exploring your story more too on my podcast. That'll be awesome. Um, I came to this debt-free world in in the middle of the pandemic, like many people, um, as we were just talking before you hit record. It was kind of a mind shift, the pandemic where you said, oh my gosh, this world that we're living in is so scary. If I just didn't have to worry about the mortgage, if I just didn't have to worry about owing people money, then, you know, maybe I would need to earn less and I could, you know, sort of, I could take care of myself in that world. But in a world where I've got this big giant house payment, I feel like I'm more scared than I would otherwise have been. And I personally was seeing my income fall uh, due to the nature of being a financial advisor when the market is crashing. And so that was a really insecure time. And also a time when my tiny house, which we built years ago, was sitting in another on another piece of property. And I'm like, why don't, why can't we just go there and like be there with less and get rid of this whole like heavy weighted world that we have here. And so um, that is kind of how I came to the debt free realization. As I mentioned, I'm a financial planner by trade certified financial planner. And now I'm podcasting and working in the tiny house community only. That's so exciting. And I want to stress just like everything else in the world, if this the tiny homes and being a minimalist can work for you, if you're kind of interested and um, the behaviors that it takes to do this um, kind of come a little bit more naturally to you. And I'm not saying you can't do it if it's not natural. It's just going to be a little bit easier, right? But if you're going totally against the grain on this, it's going to be harder. And so the reason why I'm pointing this out so early on is to just get to people, get people to start thinking during our conversation. Is this something that already kind of speaks to me when I, you know, we were just talking about going to family holidays and we end up with all the tchotchkes from the dice game. Does this like make you feel ick inside? Or when you're going shopping, do you really just like kind of walking around the mall with a coffee? You don't really need to buy anything. Like all of those things are how I relate to minimalism and um, how we just have like less stuff. We just bought a house. Now it's probably triple the size of your house. I'm curious square footage, but it's about 750 square feet. So it is still generally kind of small. Um, but all of that aside, so think about these things um, as during this conversation, because this might be something that you can actually implement into your life to simplify, to reduce expenses and all that kind of stuff. And if you are, you know, 10 steps far further away from this becoming like a reality, then what are the couple things that you want to do that you want to implement that you can take away from this conversation just to make your life a little bit easier? And so, Laura, I think this is all really interesting stuff. Um, I know you were talking previously to before we hit record that you were in the military. And so this um, detachment 
movement. I also grew up, I didn't tell you this, um, as a military brat, my dad was in the Marines. And so we were selling things every three years. And so I totally don't have this attachment to things, which I think comes helpful, um, comes in handy um, when you're trying to have a, a smaller inventory of stuff. Um, but how has it helped you? And how do you think, because um, I know you talked about, you have a little bit of empathy for people that maybe don't have that as their natural kind of piece to them. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think it's worth noting that I want to just applaud your earlier points that this is not for everybody, right? The tiny living thing is not for everybody, but just understanding our relationship with stuff can be really helpful because I often ask the question, do you own the stuff or does the stuff own you? Because depending on the stuff, stuff can be a lot of freaking work. I mean, just keeping up with the batteries and the watch collection or keeping up with the, you know, the maintenance on a huge home, like all of these things, they take time away from maybe things that aren't um, on the top of our to-do list and the top of our values. And so my problem with big houses is really the fact that they are the default and that all of us sort of come into this American world with the expectation that we're going to, you know, check the boxes, get the four-year degree, which may involve debt. We're going to get the big home and we're going to continue to upgrade it and upgrade it and upgrade it. And then what happens is, is that we end up 80 years old. One spouse passes away. You rattle around in this big house. People don't come to visit you anymore. A lot of your money is locked up in this big house, but nobody ever gave you the opportunity to question and say, is this the right avenue for me? And now we live in a world where there are so many housing options. Tiny living is one. Co-housing, you know, being in multi-generational housing is now a lot more common. It is, there's just so many ways to be. You can be a digital nomad. You can do house sitting across the world. So many different ways to live. And so I hope that people start to see different options rather than feeling like I have to check this box and this box and the 2.5 kids and that, 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 right? Being intentional is something that I, it's, it can be a buzzword, being intentional, intentionality, your word of the year, right? And I think this was probably my word of the year last year. And I'm going to bring it back again, and we're going to do it again this year. Because anything in our life, um, we can have, and it's okay, and you should be happy about it if it is truly intentional. And so, um, Laura, you're saying that exact same thing, where if you want the big house, and there's a reason that you have the big house, great, get the big house. But if you have the big house because your neighbor has the big house, and you keep, you're keep you keeping up with the Joneses, or your neighbor is buying that fancy car, or you are just have all these, we talk about it a lot in the subscriptions world, you are just by default paying for these subscriptions because you just have all of them, and we're not really being intentional with how we spend our time or our money with um, streaming services. Like, this is what we talk about all the time, people. And there's a reason why there's this thread throughout all of my conversations. And I'm sure a lot of yours as well, Laura, is because that's like what makes us happy is when we can be intentional and we can design a life that truly speaks to us, that we love, that is um, simple because it's easy, right? Like minimalism is easy for you. And so it's simple. It would be super hard for somebody else. And so it's not. But how? what can you do to your life? How can you curate a life that's happier, that's um, more simple, and that's intentional? Um, and we're going to talk about homes being one of them. So I'm curious, Laura, 
what how did you just um you said you had you the tiny home before the pandemic but how does one acquire a tiny home or where were you at mentally to be like I think this is for us like how did you get started yeah so there are so many ways to get a tiny home these days. Um, there are people reselling them who did tiny living for a season and they're reselling them. There's a gajillion builders out there that are building them. There are some really viable financing options showing up uh, in the world for folks who you know don't have that big chunk of cash on hand. Um, any mortgage on a tiny home is going to be a lot less, it's going to be a lot shorter and for a lot less than the average American home. And we can go into the numbers um, on that in a little bit if you'd like. But I actually got started. So my husband, I lived out West uh, when I was in, you know, attached to the Air Force. I was in Nevada and I grew up in Virginia. I fell in love with the West and the emptiness and the ability to go out into the BLM, Bureau Land Management Land, and all the public lands that are out there because I like to explore and see petroglyphs and hike and all of that. And so I came to Florida um, in 2009. My uh, first husband and I split up right after the housing crisis and our house went into short sale and all of that that happens when you divorce and you know financial sort of everything uh, falls apart at that moment and so I came to Florida because my grandparents were in Florida at the time and I met Eric my uh, husband now and so I got sort of stuck in this state. And so after a few years, I was like, gosh, I miss the West so much. We should buy some land out West. So we went and, you know, looked around and we found eight acres and we bought it for $25,000. And so then we're like, what are we going to do with this land? We don't have time to come out here. I was in corporate at the time. We didn't have the time to come out and build a house on the property. So we built a tiny house in Florida and towed it out west and put it on our land there. So the tiny house was really a solution to a goal. And so we built the tiny house ourselves and then we towed it across the country and it just stays there and it doesn't get, we don't move it anywhere else, but it was really just to create sort of a glamping space <laughs> on our property. I love that you mentioned it as kind of like a glamping place because I think especially for a lot of, you know, millennials and we, we feel this pressure. Our, I think the generation before us, um, you know, had the cabin up north or wherever that idea is for you. And that is so unachievable nowadays, especially when you come out of the housing crisis and the student loan pandemic and actually COVID. And it's just to own another house on a different is it's a lot of money. Right. And it's not attainable. But there's this idea, there's this sparkle and this excitement about. But I could afford just like five acres or 10 acres somewhere. And I could easily afford, I always look when I drive to Home Depot, they have those sheds out in the parking lot and people, you know, convert those into tiny homes. And I'm like, but that's actually doable. And that seems within reach of something. And so um, I love how you just took this idea and you, you know, went after this thing that I think a lot of people are scared of and don't actually um, go after because it seems unachievable. But when we break it down a little bit, it's actually, um, yeah, it's actually possible. And so Tell us a little about, about, about the numbers. Um, how big is this tiny house? And um, like, how much does it cost to own a tiny house, um, would you say, for your monthly bills? 
So our tiny house is about 304 square feet, I would say. It's it's the legal uh, highway limit, so eight foot and then by 40. Um, so it is has 10 foot ceilings and I put in a lot of windows for a lot of light. So it really opens up the space so it doesn't feel crowded at all. You know, my husband, myself, my stepson, my two mid-sized dogs all do just fine in the tiny house. But we spend a lot of time outside too. We built a deck on it. So we have a lot of outdoor time and we don't sit inside for long periods of time because we're very active people. Um, so when we built our tiny house, we built it in a year of Saturdays. I was still working corporate at the time. We bought a trailer off of Craigslist for $3,500, which you can't really find <laughs> trailers for that cheap anymore. But we just ripped out, ripped the boards off and started from the ground up. And there is a great sort of um, mentorship environment within the tiny home community where Anybody who wants to build a van life or a schoolie, which is a bus conversion or a tiny house, there are so many great people within the tiny living community that will take you through step by step. There's books, there's courses you can take, there's workshops you can go to. If you have no like building, you know, experience at all, this is not something that you should shy away from because lots of people do it who have no experience at all and they get help and support and they meet a lot of awesome people along the way. So also I want to say that there is nothing more confidence boosting than building your own house. When you build your own house, like you feel like you can conquer the world, you can start a business, you can start a side gig, you can like get debt free, you can do anything if you can build your own house. It is the best thing ever. So I compare that to, so we just had a baby and I compare that to every time I look at him, I'm like, I, I made these ears. I made those eyeballs. I made those lips. Like, and I can imagine when you're sitting in your tiny home, you're just like, I remember that wall. I remember putting in that sink, like, and you just can't help but think about all the things that you accomplished and you overachieved not to, not to sound like one way or another, but like, it's true. Like you overcame so much just by physically building that house. Like kudos to you. And I'm sure it's just inspiration every time you look around. It is. And it is something that I really encourage in my work is the DIY because it builds just so much personal confidence. So when you see what you can do and just like little bits at a time, little bits at a time, and that's exactly the thing about budgeting, right? And about getting debt free is you think, oh my gosh, this college, the student loan debt that I have is so huge. I'll never accomplish it. But you take that first step and you see that little bit of success mm -hmm. and you use the right techniques and man, you can just really get so empowered through the process. Absolutely. And I think when I started, and this isn't my story, but when I started becoming debt-free, so when I first decided to make my extra debt payments, because that's what you got to do, apparently you got to pay extra on that debt. Um, who knew? Um, I, I just promised myself like, okay, an extra like 25 bucks a month, an extra 50 bucks a month, right? Like just something to commit to it. And then by the end of my debt-free journey, I was paying like $800 extra a month, not because I was making any more money people, but because you're just so much more motivated and you're getting closer to the goal and you can see the vision and what life is going to be like on the other side. And so, um, yeah, I definitely resonate with that. It's, um, it's, it's very true. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I am looking forward to becoming debt-free when we move into our tiny house, which we're moving full-time from our regular house where I'm standing right now to our tiny house as soon as my stepson finishes high school. So we got to get through the school year yet. And so I've just had the photographs taken for this house that I'm standing in to put it on the market. And so like I'm getting very close to that world where there will be no more big checks going out. And I will literally get to design a life where I know I'm going to be okay if I'm making, you know, this amount of money to feed myself, to pay my electric bill, to make sure that I keep the internet connected and that we have health insurance. And then from there, it's like all the rest of it is like, what great things can I accomplish with my income now that I don't have to accomplish the big house ideal that really didn't suit me? What else can I do on this earth? And okay, we were talking about this before hit record, which is why we hit record people because we're Laura and I are eventually like, okay, we got to get started here. Because we are talking about this idea that um, COVID the pandemic, we're going to be talking about this for a million years, I feel like after like one year of COVID, we were like, pre COVID, and we were still like in COVID at that point, and it's 2023 at the end of it. And we're still talking about COVID. But um, we you and I were talking about how once you know, stuff closed down in March of 2020. And, you know, some people lost incomes, had reduced incomes, whatever it is, but we still had to pay our mortgage. We still had to pay our cell phone bill. We still had to, you know, keep up with all the subscriptions that we thought we had to keep up with. And it's amazing the realization that all of us had of, but if I just had less bills, then Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be stressing about, okay, how am I going to make more money? Or how are we going to, you know, keep up with this life that we had previously? And so when you just have that simplified and not simplified like boring, but simplified, aka tailored to what actually brings you joy. Um, when you have that, when things happen, it's so much less stressful. So to your point, Laura, you can keep the same job and not expect a raise for how many years we're not promoting that. But if it were to happen, then you don't have to worry about how am I going to keep up with this big mortgage or, you know, keeping up with the challenges with your neighbors. And because it just sounds like a tiny home um, naturally is less expensive because it takes less energy to heat and to light up and you don't have enough room for all the random things that people are buying on the weekends. And um, so is that kind of your, is that kind of not the point of this, but the goal is just to, you know, have a cheaper life so that you can um, afford and not stress about, you know, your day to day. I think it's so much about lifestyle. And a lot of the people in the tiny living community have reached a point in their life where they don't want to work so much. And I wanted to start my own firm. So I was in a big corporate firm and I wanted to be able to launch my own firm and focus on the tiny living community. Actually, everything is so intertwined in my story. It's hard to determine what came first, the chicken or the egg. But in any case, I wanted to launch my own firm. Well, when you start your own business, you know you're not going to be profitable for three to five years. So how do you runway that? How do you cash flow those first years? So you have to create a lower, you know, a lower cost of living in order to do that and, you know, have some cash on the side. And so for me, the selling of the house and going tiny has enabled me to separate myself from the corporate world and start my own company. And going tiny allows me to live in a place that I really resonate with. It allows me to do, you know, hiking with my dogs. It allows me to work less so I can spend more time hiking with my dogs. And all the things that are most important to me, it allows me to align 
my life with my values. And that's what I talk about with all my clients is let's go through your values and figure out what are the two most important things to you and make sure that the life that you're creating for yourself or you're planning for yourself is aligned with your two core values. And for me, that is independence and exploration. And so I need to feel very independent and very capable of taking care of myself. And I also want to be exploring a lot. And right now where I live, there isn't a lot of exploring to be done because it's becoming very, very crowded. And I can't feel very independent when I'm stuck in a, a job where I feel like I have to show up every day for a paycheck and pay the mortgage and do all the the things that they told me that I was supposed to do. And so it all just comes together. But very much tiny living is about lifestyle and designing a different lifestyle. And that's why most people do it. I love how, um, you know, in the beginning, I was thinking tiny home, because I know you talked about can help you leverage to pay off debt to become debt free, right? Because you have less, um, less expenses and hopefully the same income or a similar income. And so, you know, do the math and you can just use that extra resources to put towards your debt. But you even just like highlighted a whole nother thing is living tiny so that you can start your business and so that you can like live, you know, that, that way that helps with your, the two, um, I'm already forgetting them. Uh, was it intention? No, that was my word. What Independence were and exploration. Yes. So identifying those within yourself and then using the extra money to just, you know, high to um to you know i'm picturing like rocket fuel project yourself there you go into those in towards that direction and so think about this in your in your own life everyone that's listening is like how can you reduce your expenses reduce your footprint reduce your purchasing in general and use that extra money towards whatever thing you want do you want to become a tiny homeowner do you want to start a business do you want to pay off debt but it's just about being intentional it's just about um, using those resources and if you're stuck and you don't feel like you can get any more resources then how can you reduce so that you can just naturally have more resources yes because I think that this American dream that we've all been prescribed is not necessarily very family friendly. It doesn't allow you to take time, a lot of time off from work. Say if you wanted to stop working, how do you stop working and go to one income household if you have the typical mortgage from the typical American dream home. Right now, the average cost of a home in this country is $430,000. And what you pay over that uh, over 30 years with maintenance costs is about $1.2 million. By the time that you pay the interest at today's interest rates and you pay for your principal and all that interest you pay for that 30 years does not add to your equity. The home may increase in valuation, certainly, depending on where you are and how the housing market plays out. But that interest you're paying is, is not adding to equity. It's not buying you anything. It's just giving it to somebody so that you could borrow their money. And that is a, at least half of the entire principal and interest payment that you'll pay over the life of that loan. Plus, maintaining that house over the course of 30 years is a huge expense. So if you just lower your, you know, shrink your roof, right, then you just have overall less principal, less interest, less maintenance cost, all the things. And so it really just frees up the cushion for you to, if you wanted to go to a you know single income household, or if you wanted to take a sabbatical, or if you wanted to launch, like, launch a business like I did, like there's just so many more 
opportunities if you kind of reduce your overall spend on the one thing, the roof, which is really just very basics, right? It doesn't get you into creativity, mastery, enlightenment, all the things that really make us feel good. And I know, um, think what you want about the Dave Ramsey community, but that's something, you know, when people talk about, I just can't afford things and I don't make enough money. And there's like always two or three areas that he talks about reducing your, um, your expenses in. And, um, your roof is one of them that he always talks about. And he's not wrong because like you said, when you reduce your roof size, you're reducing the, just everything that goes along with it. It's not just your mortgage. There's so many more things. Um, and the the number that you called out earlier, 400 and something, that's just an average people. I want to point that out. I live in Portland. That There's a reason why we also bought a small house because it is expensive. And we decided from day one, we weren't going to be house broke. And we weren't even going to beyond that just we weren't didn't want to commit a lot of our paychecks to our mortgage it just wasn't a value to us Uh, and people on the east coast you're feeling the same thing california it's expensive and so um don't think about you know it well this is just how much it costs to buy a house in my area um because your paycheck is only your paycheck and we can't just make up more money because you happen to live in a more expensive area it doesn't work that way you know we don't just get oh we'll just pay you more because your mortgage is more expensive we have to still live within our means and so um, by getting tiny or reducing expenses or selling stuff that when stop buying other stuff, credit card debt, it all is this, it all is um it all is linked, it all is intertwined. And um yeah, there it, it is all little things that you can do to change your situation and to get out of debt and just start tackling one thing at a time. So I know that's a lot of stuff, but Laura, is there any other final tidbits that you want to give us before we leave with you today on whether it's getting started in your community or so maybe a couple of tips that you have not to put you on the spot, but. Um, I think that just exploring trying it out. If tiny living sounds of interest to you, there's lots of like Airbnbs um, and communities. You can go and just check it out and see if it feels good to you. And certainly um, to your point, just being thoughtful about where your money is going is always just the number one thing. And I don't know how, you know, you kind of switch to that mindset, but just keeping an awareness of, is this thing that I'm spending my money on truly in alignment with who I am? Or is it something that I'm just doing because I feel like that's what everybody does? Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Laura. We're going to put in the show notes where we can find you and all of your handles. So I'll grab that. Otherwise, um, thank you again for your conversation. Always lovely to hear about these other angles of the debt-free community, the tiny home community, all coming together to just live a more affordable life. And if you liked what Laura was talking about, go ahead and click on the show notes, go to her page, reach out to her um, and just join that community to see um, if it's something that will maybe help you in the new year to um, just align with what makes you happy. So that's another episode. Thank you again on Budgeting Period, your podcast to get out of debt and to live on a budget. We will see you next time.